Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. Tonight we're taking you to the wild side of Vizcaya Museum and Gardens in Miami, Florida. Curator Gina Wooters and artists Mara Lair and Yara Trevieso meet me here to talk about one of the projects in Lost Spaces and Stories, a contemporary art exhibition that celebrates Vizcaya's centennial. We sit on stone steps behind what's known as the Casino Mound. Once upon a time, this spot was frequented by guests visiting James Deering at his elegant estate. We're gazing at a recent apparition, a curving web of black rope that echoes the tangle of mangroves edging the south property. Yara demonstrates how Myra's rope creation will serve as stage, set, and prop in the Baroque performance that Yara designed. The inspiration? This wild, lost garden and Henry Purcell's English opera. Music and lyrics he composed more than 300 years ago tell the mythological story of Dido, Queen of Carthage, and her love for the Trojan hero Aeneas. The sounds of an aria that haunt this conversation are fragments of Dido's lament. In their project What This Space Does Not Remember, the two contemporary artists personify Vizcaya as the legendary Queen Dido. A few days from now, an opera singer a dancer, and a cellist will perform the Queen's tragic love story in this abandoned green space. I'm thrilled to be sitting in the darkness of Vizcaya Museum and Gardens with Myra Lair, Gina Wooters, and Yara Travieso. And we're here to talk about lost spaces and stories of Vizcaya. Gina, I think you should start because you're the curator here Christmas Day 2016 marks 100 years since Vizcaya has existed. And uh, for that, for our contemporary arts program, we developed this project, Lost Spaces and Stories of Vizcaya, to think about the site in all its glory, how it was fully designed and fully intended to function and be experienced. So this project in particular, what this place does not remember, is looking to the south property, which was basically the counterpart to what you see now, the formal gardens. Um, it was exotic Everglades-like landscape and really, the again, the binary to the formal gardens. So that's what Myra and Yara are exploring with this project. Let's talk about the history of Vizcaya. The house was created between 1914 and 1916. The gardens were finished in 1923. And I think what's always really important to, to put in the forefront that people don't realize is that when Vizcaya was designed here, when Deering chose it for the site, there was nothing, there was no precedent for something as opulent, as extravagant, as European as Vizcaya. All these kind of t estates and these impulses were in Palm Beach. The Vanderbilts had estates there. and So it was really unusual to select Miami as a site and it was really a frontier in a way. So it was about 200 acres here in, in this area. We have about 50 acres that remain now. And uh, it really was meant to be a kind of a microcosm of the world. You would have everything here. It was its own little Eden, its own little paradise. And obviously looked very much to the past with its architecture and its gardens and the collection and the naming and the influences. But it had a very modern side as well. So very avant-garde artists were commissioned to create works here. 
there was a lot of incredible technology for the time that was uh, in integrated into the house, and that's really what makes it a product of its time. So this is one part of the estate that has been long abandoned. Correct. Yes. In 1952, when Vizcaya became a museum, the heirs donated this, the South property, which is about 50 acres or so, to the Archdiocese of Miami. And that is now actually the current uh, LaSalle High School and Mercy Hospital. And it completely was filled in. It was actually what it functioned as was uh, canals and lagoons. And there was a casbah, oriental structure, tennis courts. And like I said earlier, more native landscaping. It's a big part of the story that's gone now that people are not experiencing. So it's really wonderful to bring it back through this project. You invited proposals for projects that would respond to the history, the lost history of the grounds. And so that's where Yara and Mara come in. How did you choose this site for what this place does not remember? <laughs> I think Yara had her eye on this site from the beginning because it's very mysterious here and hidden. And that's part of the whole idea of this project. Yeah. We visited Vizcaya long before the application opened, and we were both just here for inspiration. And we were both obsessed with the wild gardens that were just in the periphery of the south property, southern property, and the juxtaposition between that and this beautiful like Baroque architecture just looking right at, at it. And so we thought that was just so dramatic. I'm really obsessed with opera and storytelling and, and drama. I love nature. I love mangroves here. And they're threatened. So I'm very involved in trying to keep them and tell people how valuable they are. And you can't touch them here. You can't hang anything from them. I mean, it was quite an ordeal to try and make this stand on itself. Myra's work in this project is to create the environment for the performance piece that Yara's designed. And Myra's background is in working with many tactile materials and chose a material that for you represents that vine-like quality of the mangrove, right. black rope. Right. And we learned how to stiffen these ropes. So they make beautiful sculptural shapes Within the structure, you've created a curtain, a net curtain that will be rising and falling in this performance. Yeah, I think it's interesting you use the word curtain because before Myra, my work was very, I mean, the kind of work that we do is quite different than my own work, and I'm excited about it. It's interesting you use the word curtain because an entry point for me into Meyer's work was playing with the fiction of nature that she had. And for me, fiction is such an integral part to storytelling or opera. And so we actually, in our conversations, referenced a lot of curtain pulleys, things that you would see more in a set piece for a stage. And then she was referencing directly through nature. We came together and I think it was a really strong way to looking at it because it does feel both wild and organic, but at the same time fictitious. Do you want to describe how you designed this? We designed first the support and then we played with the ropes and they became very invisible because they're in front of mangroves. I played with copper, putting copper, it's a metallic copper on the ropes and they were curved and beautiful so you know I dotted it with that and then I put the cages so you wouldn't get completely lost within the mangrove and not know it's there. What's in the cages? Resin pieces, coral, some mangrove seeds 
Those are mangrove seedlings. They were on the ground and we dipped them in paint. It's staying up for a year and you know, it has to have the performance and something that keeps your eye on it. I love the visible, invisible aspect of this. You can't see it now in the nighttime, but um, there are several resin flowers that are be behind this, basically, within the actual mangroves, like 20, 30 feet back. So Myra and Yara have really kind of blurred the, the background, the foreground, the real mangroves, this, this, this installation in a really interesting way. Now we understand the structure Tell me about the story. What story are you telling? I know in your work you're interested in female archetypes. They're a beginning point for me to tell multiple narratives. I love the fiction of a lot of female archetypes. I try to find the truth in them. Dido is interesting because she is this great queen that finds herself in a vulnerable position. The man that she loved must leave her. And as a strong queen in this very Baroque opera. This is based on Dido and Aeneas, uh, written by Purcell. And as a strong queen in this Baroque opera, she can't stand being seen or being remembered as anything but a legacy. In the end, she'd rather be laid in earth and dead than be seen as vulnerable. So. That juxtaposition between wilderness, her being buried underground, her being in, like swallowed by the earth, versus this great legacy of a woman, uh, prompted the narrative and the drama that we felt this kind of tension between this guy itself, Baroque story, that is this legacy. So uh, she personifies Vizcaya. Absolutely. Yeah, so in this story, Dido is Vizcaya. And she actually comes, she enters the performance through the building. So it almost seems like the building gives birth to her. And she then enters slowly into the southern gardens. And essentially, they swallow her. What's the duration of the performance? About seven minutes. Doesn't take long to get swallowed no, up. No, it doesn't. She's been thinking about it for a while. <laughs> it lasts the length of the famous Dido's Lament, this uh, laden earth, one of the most, I think, for me, one of the most wonderful epic arias of the time. I mean, it was really one of the first English operas. Yeah, so was very early. Yeah, very uh, early. And this is the most famous of all his work. What do you hope people experience? Wonder and a love for Baroque, a love of Vizcaya, how this whole thing integrates with Vizcaya, a paradise, but not quite, almost a paradise, but vulnerable. A strange nostalgia for something that you've never known, a sense of legacy, vulnerability something more generally with Vizcaya is that people think that they know it so well. Lost Spaces really brings to the forefront all these aspects of this estate that nobody really knows about. It's really, it's an amazing revelation, I think. And for anybody, whether you're interested in contemporary arts or not, I mean, every guest that comes there, I think, will learn something new about the site.
is Fresh Art International, and I'm Kathy Bird. You've been listening to a conversation I recorded late one night at Vizcaya Museum and Gardens. Curator Gina Wooters and artists Myra Lair and Yara Travieso reveal how contemporary art can animate the beauty of forgotten histories. They lure us to a secret place where love and longing meet tragedy in the darkness beneath the mangroves. This is creativity at its most poetic. If you like what you're hearing, please let us know on social media at FreshArtINTL. You'll find more than 100 episodes on FreshArtInternational.com. You can subscribe to the series on any podcast platform you like. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more contemporary art talk.